listen to the Cosmopolitan Hour. Hey, I'm somebody from the room, see the room 100 times, and you're listening, Cosmopolitan Hour, whatever you're listening, they listen well, okay? I'm Tommy Wiseau, have a groovy time, bye. We're talking about how fucked up forced sterilization is. Yes. I think it's pretty fucked up. What do you think about it? I think it's pretty fucked up too. I think then we're, we're in agreement. agreement. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way to start episode 73. Yes. We yes. agree. This is a quiet episode. We're actually in my new apartment. It's true. Yeah. We were going to go to this brewery, but it was too brotastic even yeah. for us. Yeah. It was a little, it was a little noisy. Yeah. Yeah. A little, a little heavy on the douche. Yeah. There's been, apparently there's been all this controversy about the word douche recently. Really? Well, in the podcasting world, in my podcasting world, because okay. um, I guess there was like some caller called in to Dan Savage and was very offended. And then someone wrote into Stuff Mom Never Told You uh-huh. about, you know, like, I don't know if we should use the word douche because blah, blah, blah. And, you know, we shouldn't, we shouldn't denigrate women's private parts because women's genitalia is glorious. But it's not den- denigrating women's private yes. parts. It's denigrating the, like anti-women's private parts things that yes. these anti-women companies have been marketing us to make us ashamed of our private parts. There you go. And that's exactly what a lot of the points in favor of saying douche raised were. Right. That sentence made no sense, but I think you, I, get, you get what I'm trying to impart. Yes. That um, and, I mean... Yes, I, I agree. It's a, a douche is a completely unnatural thing. Um... And yes, designed to make women feel self-conscious right. about their bodies. And, you know, your vagina is a self-cleaning organ. Right. You don't need to be jamming stuff up there, especially Lysol or vinegar or, right. you know, there's like, there's stuff alive in there, but it's good stuff too. Most of yes. it's good stuff. Yeah. So yeah, douches are bad, unnatural things that are bad for ladies, just like people douches they're bad right. for ladies right and dan savage brought up the point that as a gay man he associates the word douche with an anal douche which is right. still it's something that a considerate person would do for their partner in anticipation right. of receiving anal sex certainly but the douche itself is ex- extremely unpleasant i would right. imagine there's a lot of you know bits floating about when the douche comes out yuck so yeah i think i think using the word douche as as a denigratory word phrase well, is, is totally a-okay you know what it is it's like a war on negativity you know how, you know there's the war on christmas this is like the war on negativity this is like which the doesn't left exist wing. Yeah, by the right way. which doesn't exist but this is sort of like the left-wing equivalent mm. i think where it's like everybody you know really i don't know it just kind of feels like sometimes there's just this movement to take away every satisfying, you know, <laughs> word that we have to be yes. negative. Yes. You know? True. I mean, what douche is just such amazing shorthand. Because everybody <laughs> knows what you mean when you yeah. say that guy was kind of a douche. Yeah. Right? And, like, totally. it's, it's become really, you know, it's become really widespread. There's a lot of people who use that term who, I don't know. Just, it's it's become a very widely used term, and, and totally. um, I think it started off kind of as like a hipster retro kind of thing. Yeah, like, it's kind of reviving the '80s a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, and now it's it's being used all over the place. 
I remember um, being a little surprised when it started making its comeback. Yeah, me too. And uh, I think I think the first time I heard it in the big comeback was uh, when Conan O'Brien did his show in Toronto for a week, hmm. or maybe it was in Vancouver. But he did, you know, he did a show. He did a show somewhere in Canada for a week, and he had all these really hilarious jokes at the expense of Americans. And um, of course, someone in the audience he said. Well, it's, you know, it's great to have so many Canadian fans, but I do see some Americans came up for, for the show, and I really appreciate you guys coming over, you know, like this guy, and, you know, this this audience member who's obviously a planted actor, he stands right. up and he's got, like, you know, an American flag t-shirt and, like, a Budweiser hat and, like, you know, like, I don't know, he's got an eagle somewhere, I'm sure, and um, and he's like, I was trying to keep it a secret, but thanks, douchebag, and I was just like, that was the most satisfying thing he could have called Conan O'Brien. It was the yeah. funniest thing ever. Yeah. And yeah, it is. It's very popular all of a sudden. Yeah. But I mean, it's like everybody knows just exactly what you mean when you yeah. use that word. It's very, it's, it's just a very good descriptive word. And <laughs> it's just, I, honestly, I just feel sometimes like people are looking a little bit too hard to be offended by things. Yeah. I know we've talked about that kind of thing before. Here on the Cosmopolitan Hour, but well, I, I don't like you know. People get so upset about using genitals as you know, like yes. that guy was a dick, or you know, don't right. be a pussy. I mean, I I can kind of agree with like, I don't see how being a pussy makes you weak because as people have pointed out on the Savage Lovecast, you have to be pretty fucking tough to be a vagina. You, yeah, you've got to potentially birth babies and. Right accommodate a wide variety of penises and sex yes. toys yes and medical instruments yes. so you know you gotta put up with a lot of shit and i i you know i think the dicks of the world kind of have it easy sometimes it's true i mean um, and and scrotum is a good example of something that's weak and easily right. hurt and wimpy so. right um, but i mean i i just kind of feel like you know never once have i heard somebody say you know Oh, quit being a dick or oh, quit yeah. being a pussy and thought and had my thoughts or feelings or assumptions about either gender right. <laughs> affected or challenged or right. influenced at all, you know? And I, I just, people will make all these arguments about how or assumptions like, about your own genitalia challenged right, right. or hurt. <laughs> well, people, people say these things like, you know, oh, well, it's, it just creates this framework of language that, you know downplays women and mm -hmm. plays up men or something like that or it's you know they'll try and tie it into the patriarchal society and you know and I guess to a degree there's probably an element of truth in that sure but I'm also very much of the school that like you don't have to let everything hurt your fucking feelings yeah. all the time you know <laughs> I mean not everybody in the entire world exists for your comfort yeah. not everybody in the world is going to accommodate you and that is a frustrating thing because that is true for absolutely every single person on the yeah. planet. Yeah. And it's annoying because you want everybody to accommodate you. It's only human nature. But it's a hard truth. But you know, you just have to deal with the fact that some people are gonna feel differently about things. And I mean like there was controversy about vegan mofo. This this month is vegan mofo, the vegan month of food. It's a blogging event. Uh-huh. Um and uh Apparently, a bunch of people in Victoria, BC, Canada, um, were posting on their blogs how offensive, how horribly offensive a term that was, and like how Moho? dare, they, 
Yeah. And I mean, even though even though they they understood that Mofo stood for month of food, they mm-hmm. said, you know, well, it's be, it's only funny or it's only you know they only did that because it you know it also makes you think of the other thing and right. so that's just really horrible and offensive and how dare you and so it, they're not participating. It's horrible and offensive in the way that darn is offensive or the way that wuss is offensive. You know, it's kind of a a milder, watered-down, kid-friendly alternative to what it, you know, what you're really trying to say. Like, you right. say mofo instead of motherfucker because right. you're in front of your three-year-old nephew But, or I mean, whatever. in this case, in this case, mofo stands for yes. month of exactly. food. So exactly. it doesn't even stand for that. It only yeah. is reminiscent of right. an abbreviated vanilla-ish, yeah. you know, term, like, yeah. substitute for the real term. So it's just kind of like, how many degrees so in that of separation case, do you have to get before you can just quit being offended? In that case, I would like to be offended by the fact that you mentioned darning your socks earlier. Mm. I really don't think you should use that kind of language around me. That's true. I should really... My virgin ears were sullied. Yes, I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm going to have to douche them tonight. <laughs> I am offended now, sir. <laughs> Ma'am. douche. Now I am offended. You have assigned me the wrong gender and therefore denigrated my genitalia. I am offended now that you assumed that I was assigning you a male gender. <laughs> you can see, this, this is a short educational uh, clip to show how out of control this can get. Yes. If we don't put a stop to it now. Yes. Yes. So, yes, I think the, the Cosmopolitan Hour stance on this is, you know... Speak out against injustice, speak truth to power, but just, you know, be reasonable. Yeah. We use a lot of other parts of our body to be denigrating as well. It's not just genitalia. And I agree, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, we should be proud of our bodies, even the parts that are occasionally smelly or weird or funny looking. But, you know, like, you know, nobody ever talks about like, you know denigrating the sacredness of our bodies when we call somebody an asshole. Right. Because assholes are gross. They you are. Know, it's part of our body. It's Home who we are. Yeah. It's part of who we are. And, you know, yes, I guess in a strange way, you probably should love and embrace your asshole. <laughs> but it's still not, you know, <laughs> you still... To picture somebody embracing their asshole. <laughs> you know, in a, in a you know metaphorical sense. In a spiritual yes. sense. Yes, right. <laughs> in a spiritual sense. <laughs> Embrace your asshole on a spiritual level, is what right. I'm trying to say. Right. <laughs> but, you know, when, whenever somebody says, like, oh, that guy was an asshole, or, you know, such and such is the armpit of California. Right. It, you know, people aren't like, you shouldn't talk like that about our bodies. Because right. Because our bodies are beautiful things that God and or nature created. Right. Um, right. Yeah, so, you know, dick or... Pussy is the same thing. Yeah, and I think that a lot of those arguments kind of fall flat on their face, too, when people are like, oh, well, you know, people use female terms to, like, be negative, and they right. don't use, and it's like, well, okay, but they use dick, and they use, yeah. you know, don't be such a cock, don't be such yeah. a, you know, whatever. I think I've told somebody to stop being such a ball sack before. <laughs> um, and, you know, you don't necessarily have to accept the assigned genders of words. You know, I right. call men bitches all the time. Right. And, as I told you earlier, I turned the tables on a, a man earlier Cantankerous, today. crazy yes, person. Who called me a fucking whore. And I said, you're the whore. So I showed him. I turned gender norms on their head today. That's true. What did you do?
Yeah, who did you call a whore today, listener? <laughs> Indeed. So from being um, not offended enough, uh, I would like to talk about something that did offend me this weekend. Okay. And um, I don't know why I was inspired to do so. Normally, I don't watch mainstream movies. Uh-huh. But um, I, I, as I told you, I checked out my new local video store, mm-hmm. which is awesome because the staff are all like, you know, young hip kids in their 20s and... Um, they still have the dot matrix printer that prints out your little receipt with the, the tabbed like strips on the side and you sign like for your movies and then there's like a carbon copy. It's like being back in the nineties. It's so exciting. Um, so I rented, they had this like, you know, new release deal, three new releases for $10. So I got one of the new releases I got was that movie Horrible Bosses. Okay. With, um, Jason Sudeikis and... Uh, Jason Bateman, who I totally do, by the way. I'm okay. rewatching Arrested Development right now, and I'm like, he's a good-looking man. He is a pretty good-looking um, man. And Charlie Day, who's fucking hysterical. He's from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, right, yeah. I know I have not been successful in getting you to watch it. No, yet, I have but... watched it. Oh, you have? I haven't watched all that much of it. Oh, okay. We, ha- we own the first season on DVD. Oh, okay. So, yeah, he's pretty hilarious. Um, and then the bosses are played by Kevin Spacey, Jennifer Aniston, and Colin Farrell. Okay. And so everybody, you know, it's a pretty, you know, and I'm not, you know me, I'm not a Jennifer Aniston type of, type of person, but uh-huh. she was pretty funny in this movie. And overall, it was a lot funnier than I expected. Uh-huh. I guess I was expecting something a lot stupider. That said, however, um, it was, it continued kind of a, you know, a very long and disappointing trend and a trend I would like to see end, like now, of um, like rape jokes about men. Like, it's, it's funny and it's okay to joke about rape if it's men involved. And, like, in particular, and I'm sure, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm giving too much away because this is all pretty evident from the trailer, but um, Charlie Day plays a dental hygienist. A hygienist? Hygienist. What? Hygienist, yes. yes. <laughs> and Jennifer Anson is his boss, the dentist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is, like really aggressively sexually harassing him. And, mm-hmm. you know, while they're working on patients who are under sedation, she's, like, squirting water at his crotch to get a better look at his dick. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, like, doing all this, like, biting his ear and, like, tweaking his nipples and, like, yeah. Like, really aggressive, gross stuff that, right. you know, if the genders were reversed, it wouldn't be funny, first right. of all. It still isn't funny. But, it, you know, it would not be marketed as a funny movie. And it would be, like lawsuit time right possibly prison time for the dentist um and there's even a a scene where you know later on it's implied that she it's unclear because like she takes these compromising photos of him while he's under sedation himself Mm -hmm. and it's unclear whether they're posed photos or if she was actually like sexually assaulting him while he was unconscious. But either way, it's extremely, you know, right. it's an extreme violation of somebody. Right. And he's looking at these photos and he's like, this is rape, this is rape. And it's like, you know, clearly it's meant to be like a knee slapper in the film. And I'm like, it is rape. I don't understand why that would be funny because that is rape. Like that's, that's rape. Why, why, I don't get it. Why is that funny? That's rape. That is so frustrating. It's very frustrating. And I, I feel like it perpetuates this vicious cycle of, you know, granted, you know, men are not victims, or I should say men are not survivors of sexual assault at the same rate that women are, unfortunately. Right. Um, 
Well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, <laughs> but, you know, unfortunately women are, you know, it's unfortunate anybody is assaulted, but, you know, it's unfortunate that men women... aren't raped more. Yeah. That's exactly what you just said. That is exactly what I was trying to say. Right. Um, see, rape can be funny. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but, you know, there's, so there's, you know, there's the fact that men are not survivors of sexual assault as often as women are. Mm-hmm. And, but I think it's also, um, in addition to it, you know, factually being a smaller percentage of sexual assault cases, I think there's also less support out there. Right. And, and certainly there's less of a societal attitude that men can even be raped. Right. Let alone have the same rights to, to the feelings and um, support and, and prosecution that would arise out of something like that. Right. So, you know, for, for anybody to be joking about it is really disappointing. But for a major movie like this to come out and make light of it mm-hmm. and, you know, say, you know, to be... Not to say that male rape doesn't exist, but that it does exist and it's hilarious. And it's right. not fun when it happens to you, but your friends will get a really good laugh out of it. Right. That is really disappointing. I mean, you know, I think I think we both kind of feel the same way that sometimes, you know, rape and sexual assault get tossed around a little bit too lightly. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, like there are... Um, you know, it, I find it really frustrating when... Um, you know, the, the feminist community rushes to, you know, condemn somebody on only the allegations of one person. Right. And, you know, I, I get what's going on and everything else, but I find that very frustrating. And, sure. And I, my personal stance is generally that, you know, I think that we need to be very careful with these things. And I think that that involves looking at both sides with a bit of a critical I mm-hmm. so and I know that a lot of people would think that's like a really shitty attitude and that that's anti-feminist and to them I would just say well <laughs> I don't know what to say to you I guess but um like this is the kind of stuff that I feel like is really offensive mm-hmm. you know this isn't I feel like it's one thing to kind of be like well let's have like a healthy amount of like just common sense kind of skepticism about right this thing that could potentially put somebody in jail and label them a rapist and all this kind of stuff. Right. And then this is like, you know, oh, this, this horrible thing just is, is funny. And I feel like that's, you know, if we want true gender parity, you know, and obviously, you know, we don't want like more men to get raped to make, make up for the, we want less women to be raped. raped. Like, we want, you know... <laughs> we want less of everyone to be raped. We want nobody to be raped. But, I mean, if we want to break down that kind of, like, that gender divide and everything mm-hmm. else, I mean, then we should... This is something that I think, like, the feminist community should be taking really seriously. Yeah. And maybe, you know, putting some of its, like, weight and using some of its... Like, just focusing some of its attention on that kind of issue because that is something that is... I think so far behind in terms of like gender relations. It's mm-hmm. like that whole, you know, oh, men can't be raped and if they do, it's funny. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like prison rape of, yeah. a, of a guy is like, it's like oh, a it's really so acceptable totally joke. acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. And it's, yeah, that's horrible. It's depressing. It's you know? really depressing. And I don't, I really just don't hear the outcry about that stuff that yeah. I do from like, you know, I mean, when, when, um, the woman whose name I've forgotten um, accused uh, 
Strauss-Kahn uh -huh. of, of assault or whatever. You know, there was huge outcry when the criminal defense attorney, you know, dared to question mm -hmm. her about her allegations, mm -hmm. which, you know, now on, it really seems like she had a lot of motives to make shit up or uh -huh. embellish shit. And seems like the prosecutor dropped those charges and is really not interested in right. pursuing it anymore. And so that kind of points to there not being a whole lot of evidence to support right. it. And that's being fairly charitable. Right. So, but I mean, there was huge outcry about that. And there was, you know, there were reams of, you know, feminist blogs and things written about how that was horrible victim blaming and everything else. It's like, you know, and I feel like that was, I feel like that the way that that was handled was, you know, it was sensationalized by the media, but I actually felt like I kind of sided with some mm -hmm. of the people that were kind of supporting the, the defense attorneys a little more than I sided with the the people I normally side with, which are the, right. the feminists. So I don't know. I guess I guess I feel like if you're gonna be a stickler for something, or I guess I feel like if there are smaller issues, you know, like defense attorneys cross-examining people, mm -hmm. and then there are bigger issues like the fact that this horrible crime is a joke to yeah. the vast majority of the population. Right. I just kind of feel like maybe the bigger issues should be looked at first. And that's not to, like, try and be yeah. all like, oh, well, you can only focus on one issue at a time, because, no. But, I don't know, I just feel like if you don't have that consistency in your own thinking, in your own mm -hmm. whatever, then... And, you know, as horrible know. as this is to say, I think if rape were seen as a human problem instead of a woman's problem... I don't or, think that's you know, horrible if, to say. But I think it would, if, you know, if it were seen as a problem that men face as well as women face, it uh, might be treated more seriously, which, yeah. you know, is, I hate to say it, but I think it might be kind of true, right. you know, because it's, you know, it's one of those things that's seen as a woman's concern, right? you know, like children or, you know, peace or, you right. know, like, I don't know, like these things that are somehow designated as a woman's issue and right. are therefore like, you know, they're, they're, given their special designation as like something that ladies are interested in and it's important, but only in as much as, you know, that, that limited sphere of what ladies do right. can, can allow it to grow. Right. And you know, I, I, um, I, I feel like to, to a small extent, some feminist um, thinkers tend to kind of, um, they tend to kind of perpetuate that as well. Hmm. You know, like I, it, it's weird because I know, I know in the feminist community in Edmonton where I'm from, um, I would get this sometimes where it would be like this really kind of weird feeling like, you know, like the take back the night marches mm -hmm. where like they wouldn't let men march and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And I know that there's, you know, like I understand the the reason for the take back the night marches and everything mm -hmm. else. But at the same time, it's like, you're basically saying, so there's this, you know, there's a dichotomy, there's a problem exists. and it's, it affects women more than men. And so we're going to exclude men mm -hmm. from this, you know, this action that we're planning to, you know, symbolically yeah. take it back or whatever. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it, like, I get it and I, but it just, it just seems kind of like empty posturing, you know, like yeah. it doesn't actually accomplish anything. 
It's well, just it's kind it's of so... forcing men to acknowledge that this is a women's problem and you can't have a part of right. this problem. Whereas, like, you know, there. what if there's a man who's been, you know, mugged in the dark or whatever, right. which is, or, you know, raped or mm-hmm. whatever else. And you're saying that he cannot march in the march against the yeah. very thing that he was a victim of. Yeah. You know? It's just... It, and it's, there's also the, the unspoken implication that, you know, because he's not a victim, he's therefore part of the perpetrator class. Right. Which and, can be, like, doubly devastating if right. a guy has been a victim of that sort of thing or a survivor of sexual assault. To right. then, you know, I think men are excluded from a lot of... You know, I, I know men are, are excluded from a lot of rape crisis call centers mm-hmm. and... Again, I can understand, like, you know, again, women are proportionally, like, you know, greater numbers of sexual assault survivors are women. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you've been sexually assaulted, it's likely by a man and you probably don't want to talk to a man when you, you right. know, call them on the phone. Like, just like if you, you know, if you go to report it to the police, you might want to speak to a female police officer. Or, right. But, you know, there are also male rape survivors out there. And, I, you know, I just don't see, I feel... Like, I'm just thinking about this this zine I read ages ago in Philadelphia that was written by a male rape survivor mm-hmm. and just about his experiences and, like, you know, just being a male rape survivor um, and, you know, how he tried to, you know, come to terms with his own attack and also help others by volunteering at rape crisis centers. And there were a lot of things that he was excluded from because he was a man. Right. And it didn't matter that he had experienced the same thing and was trying to help others. Right. It was, And it wasn't necessarily any, like, individual malice on, you know, any one person's part. It was just how these policies were set up in right. place. So in addition to being a victim, he was also sort of criminalized at the same time, which right. is just like, you know, it's like a double whammy. Right. And, and, you know, like, it's... I think sometimes those kinds of policies tend to ignore the fact that, like, you know... This guy, if he'd have volunteered at one of these centers, it's not like any woman who came in there who didn't feel comfortable talking Mm -hmm. with a man about her experience would be forced to speak with him. No. You know, it's like he'd be there and the people who were comfortable with speaking with him would Mm -hmm. speak with him and the people that weren't wouldn't. But I mean, it, it, it just seems so, I mean, first, kind of irrational Mm -hmm. and second, just kind of a real denial of just the fact that we live in a world where yeah. men exist yeah. to say that like, you know, somebody has survived a terrible crime like rape or sexual mm-hmm. assault or whatever. And then just to, to say, well, Oh, the best thing that we can do for them is give them a space where they can, where they don't have to look at the opposite gender. Like it yeah. just, it seems really fucked up. I mean, these people are going to, these survivors are going to encounter men. Yeah. In their real lives, I mean, what real purpose is served except for, like, basically legitimizing and maybe even encouraging a really irrational feeling about all men? Yeah. And, you know, it's, like, I guess this kind of gets at something that has kind of been bugging me for a while, which is the whole phenomenon of triggering. Mm-hmm. Um. You know how when you say a word so many times that it stops it, making yeah. sense? Like, if you yeah. say the word cork, like, 80 times, then all of a sudden you're just like, <laughs> what the hell is cork? That's yeah. so weird. I mean, triggering has started to take on that yeah. for me. And I and I think that it's, like, triggering yeah. that is kind of behind 
I think oh. it's a, when that kind of happens on a sociological scale is what you're talking about. When, yeah. when a group of people get their hands on a word and they kind of get the idea behind it, but then use it in a way that's not really how it's meant to be used until eventually it takes on a meaning of its own. Right, I guess. Like, or until its original meaning is so distilled that it kind of loses all meaning. And and I think it kind of also like encourages people to express themselves in a more dramatic way than might be warranted. <laughs> you know, like, I bet you every single person in the world has had, well, not every single person in the world, but the vast majority of people over, say, 16 have had like a sexual experience that they did not enjoy whether you know like for whatever reason reason whether it's you know an assault or whether it's just something that was profoundly yeah. uncomfortable or yeah. you know or something that you just you know and then you climb back in bed later and something reminds you of that yeah. and all like instantly you're brought back to that time yeah. and like the unpleasantness is right there mm -hmm. and i don't mean that to, to make light of, you know, rape victims sure. or assault victims. Like, that's, you know, I have no doubt that that is a truly horrible thing to have happen and that mm -hmm. it's, you know, something that you really, that you really don't want in your life no. and you probably really want to get beyond and everything else. Um, so, you know, everybody, everybody kind of knows on some level what it's like to be triggered, have something mm -hmm. bring you back to an unpleasant time or place yeah. but I hear people using the word to describe situations where they're like reminded of god I wish I could remember some of the most egregious examples that I've seen <laughs> um I don't know just like you know where they were reminded of an awkward conversation or something <laughs> like that and it's just like it's not the same thing this you know, thing like, really triggered me and remember made me remember like the time I put on my underwear inside out and I had to wear it like that all day. Right. It was horrible. Right. It was a horrible day in my life. Well, and then on top of that, then I get like, and people on the PPK have done this. And if you're a PPKer and you're listening, don't do this anymore. It's very <laughs> annoying. Um, like well, if people, you're anybody on the internet. Yes. But this is a particular thing that has happened on the PPK. Because I've noticed people posting things like, um, you know... They'll post, this activist group has has released all this slaughterhouse footage or mm -hmm. something. You know, they did this big undercover investigation. And the thread title will be like, you know, slaughterhouse footage. And then it will say, warning, trigger. And it's like, what is that triggering? Is that triggering yeah. the time that you remembered that you were a cow being slaughtered at the slaughterhouse? Because that's what that word means. It's like... Is it triggering, like, you to feel bad? Because that's not what that means. Like, it Plus, might make I feel you feel like, bad, which like, is fine. <laughs> I feel like labeling, you know, undercover slaughterhouse video as triggering is, is kind of superfluous, don't you think? Like, Well, yeah. Like, it's undercover slaughterhouse video. I don't expect to turn it on and see, like, Hello Kitty or right. something that right. I'm going to be like, this is hilarious. Yeah, this but, is awesome. But, I mean, I just, like, I don't understand yeah. the point in saying it's triggering because, honestly, the only way that it could actually be triggering is if you used to be, like, a turkey. And that brought you right back to that horrible time you know in your life. And you were a yeah. Well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe there are people out there. Who I mean, once were turkeys. But it, but that's just such a I think that's a really good example of like the word having yeah. lost so much of its meaning. Yeah. And I just I see it now. I see somebody use the word triggering, and I I can't even help it. I roll my eyes. And I can appreciate people... the the motive behind it because right. I think you know, 
I do kind of hate when people put something up that's like, or, you know, put, put up a link without a description to what right. it is. Or just plain old post a photo without any, like, link or jump or anything of something really disturbing. Right. Um, and so I can appreciate that, you know, and I've certainly called people out and been like, hey, you know what? Really don't want to see that. Right. Um, right. I had to call out somebody on Facebook recently because they posted um, literally a photo and me describing this may be upsetting to you. Not triggering, mind you, but upsetting. Upsetting, yes. So There's a difference. This is yeah. the, the point we're trying to yes. make. Yes. This is the illustration. Um, they posted on my Facebook feed um, a photo of like literally dozens of dead cats like piled up in a dumpster. And it was really upsetting to see. And mm -hmm. obviously I'm not trying to pretend that doesn't happen. I've been vegan for almost 12 years. I obviously give a shit about that sort of thing. Right. But, you know, once you get to a certain point in your animal rights activism, you just don't need to see those photos, right. at least not on a daily basis, right. to be reminded of what you're fighting for. Right. Or reminded at all. Right. I'm pretty good with not ever seeing photos like that. Right. And so I, I can appreciate when people label something, even if they label it incorrectly, perhaps. Right. I can appreciate that they are telling people, like, this will be really disturbing to you if, you know, seeing animals in distress makes you cry like a little baby, like me. Right. Um, so I, I can appreciate that. But yes, we should be using the proper terminology and we should, you know, it, it also takes power away from the concept of what, you know, triggering actually is. Because right. it is something that actually happens to people who've survived right. traumatic events like right. a sexual assault or right. a tour of duty in Iraq or, right. you know, something else. Or an eating disorder, something, you know. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's the thing. Like, there's a difference between something being upsetting and something being triggering. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like people are really starting to conflate those two terms yeah. pretty badly. And, you know, it, it just, I mean, it's a general pet peeve of mine when people use terms inaccurately. It's just yeah. kind of annoying. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I mean, it... it I suppose it, it takes away from something that is kind of a legitimate concern for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and it kind of trivializes something that for many people is a really big deal and, uh, and turns it into kind of a pedestrian concern. Yeah. You know, so, so yes, use the terms upsetting and triggering wisely. Yeah. Please. <laughs> or um, distressing. Yeah. You can throw out distressing as well. Yeah. You could have a whole range. Maybe we should publish like a, a, a word spectrum, like from triggering to mildly disconcerting. Right. Though, but then we're, but then we're saying that triggering is on the spectrum of upsetting. That's it's true. not as different. Hmm. I mean, like it's sort you of, make a, a good it's point. sort of a kind of upsetting, but it's not really like. Okay. Maybe it's a flow chart then. It's like, yeah. Is this upsetting? Yes. Could it remind you of a specific incident in your life? Yes. You know, that sort of thing. Did you serve in Iraq? <laughs> yes. No. Or maybe. Right. So, so yes, there you go. That's, that's us yelling at you for half an hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs>
I mean, you've you've been through many earthquakes since living right. in San Francisco. Right. So that you probably can't feel most of them. Yeah. Um, so the first time you consciously felt an earthquake was last week. Yes, it was. After what? Almost three years living here. Yep. Yeah, it'll be three years in about a month. Okay. Yeah. So um, thoughts on your first earthquake experience? Well, um, I don't know. It actually made me really scared of earthquakes. <laughs> Not, so you weren't scared before? No, not That's at all, really. I mean, I, I guess I'd never experienced that feeling of just like disorientation, and, yeah. and you know, I before my conception of earthquakes or my conceptualization of earthquakes was like you know stuff shakes and can fall. Right. And sure, I knew that they could be dangerous and stuff, but I didn't. I mean, when, when the earthquake happened, I mean, the first one wasn't as bad. It was just kind of like, oh, crazy, you know, yeah. I felt it shaking. And then the second one, uh, which happened was, I think, I mean, I was in a different part of the city. I think that, so I've heard people say that in areas where um, where the city's built more on rock, you yeah. feel them a lot less. And then when it's built on kind yeah. of like gravel, yeah. then it, and yeah, I, it totally depends on, on what kind of foundation you're yeah. standing on. And I have a very strong suspicion that the area of town that I live in, which is where the second earthquake, uh-huh. or which is where I was when the second earthquake happened, is on gravelly kind right. of stuff. I don't think it's on rock. So, um, because it felt way stronger. Yeah. And um, and I was sitting on the couch, and I just like, I mean, like I sort of heard it. Uh huh. And but I just like it. It my recollection of it. And the way that I experienced it was just that it was really confusing and disorienting. (laughs) So that was, so when it was done, I was worried. And then every time I heard something that sounded kind of like a rumbling sound, then I was scared, like for the rest of the evening, that it was another earthquake and that, like, this was going to be the big one that was going to kill us. (laughs) And I couldn't figure out where would be a good place in my house to go if there were to be a really big earthquake. So, honestly, you know, you can probably just stay put and you'll be fine. I, yeah, I mean, I know that the chances that uh, you die from an earthquake, even if it's a pretty big one, are pretty yeah. small. But yeah, and you usually die from things like, you know, a fire, or if there's, you know, like, a very heavy bookshelf that is not stabilized, that will fall right. on you and pin you to the ground. But, you know, right. you, have, you have stuff that could pin you to the ground, but it's all in, in you know... A multitude of small quantities, so it's not like one big object would pin right. you to the ground, and then you know your your corpse would be found two months later being devoured by your cat. Right. I think though, like you know, Mike says, if there were to be a big earthquake, probably the safest place to be would be under our bed. We have our loft bed, and yeah. it's like you know, it's on like those big, thick posts, uh-huh. and it's secured to the wall. So yeah, on like three at th- on three points because it's in a corner. Yeah. So he's like, you know, it would shake and it would keep stuff from falling on you. So <laughs> and but I don't know if I trust it. I, I I still every time I sit on that couch now I I look at the bed and I think about how it would fall if it were to get <laughs> shaken really hard. Like what would happen? And yeah. How I and I've de- I've actually decided that the safest thing I could do is if I was is go under there and go on the couch but like lie down like right in the corner of the couch and that way if like the bed yeah. the platform of the bed were to like fall yeah then the couch 
but like it wouldn't touch. It'd be me. like a tent. Yeah, it would be like yeah. You'd be in the right angle of the triangle. Yes, exactly. Thank you for describing that better than I am able. <laughs> Mike could just fend for himself. Yeah. You'd use him to shield you. Yeah. <laughs> I guess in my I guess in my in my uh, worst case scenario, he's not there, so it's just me that I have okay. to worry about. <laughs> but then I worry about what the cats would do because, like, when the earthquake happened, they just like started running and they just like <laughs> ran the entire time that it was happening. And it yeah, was... my my dog did not care at all for any of the earthquakes. I was next to her for two of them. There, there were two earthquakes. Um, about six days ago. Yeah. They were sizable ones. One of them was a 4.0. The first yeah. one was a 4.0, yeah. and then there was a 3.8 aftershock. So that's something you definitely feel. Like yeah. usually if it's if it's a 3.5 or below, you usually don't feel it unless you're like sitting still right. or you know, like you can be very easily distracted from smaller earthquakes and not even notice them. Right. Um, so the, the second one was a 3.8 and then today, six days later, there was another one. Was it also a 3.8 or was it a 3.5? I think it was a 3.8. Like okay. last night? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was a 3.8. Yeah, at 5.30 in the morning. Oh wait, so, no, a 3.6. Oh, 3.6, okay. Yeah. So it was it was smaller, but you know, because everybody was presumably lying in bed at that time, everyone felt it. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Yeah, it was really, it was a weird way to be woken up. Yeah. And it was interesting because, you know, I was, you and I were both at the office for the first one and it was on, I believe this area, I'm pretty sure it's on solid rock. It yeah, yeah, I think But so. we still felt it because it was, you know, it was a 4.0, which is big, yeah. but it was, the epicenter was across the bay in Berkeley. So maybe like 10, 15 miles away as the crow flies. But um, the second two earthquakes, I live in Berkeley. So I was right. like right on the, the Hayward Fault, which was the fault that the earthquakes were, were on. And so I felt them a lot um, more strongly at home, which was really interesting. And Molly did not care at all. She was just like, whatever, where's my food? That's funny. She, was, she slept through both of them. I was like, you have no animal sixth sense whatsoever. Yeah, the cats didn't seem to like, you know, they didn't seem to be prescient about it. Like they didn't, you know, freak out in advance or anything like that. They just... Like when it happened, they lost their fucking mind. <laughs> and then Pazuzu went and hid under the couch for a long time afterwards. And she's not usually like a, a scaredy cat. She's she's pretty she's pretty bold. But I wonder if the earthquakes have something to do with all the crazy that's going around right now. Maybe just like a release of psychic yeah. energy from the earth. Yes, yes. <laughs> this is the Bay Area. We do talk like this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, we've we've had some crazy stuff today at work. A, a, a higher percentage of crazy people than usual. Yeah. Um, you know, I got uh, my favorite part of today. Well, there's so many favorite parts of today, but um, the one guy who came in in the morning and called me a whore and told me, I said, you need to leave the office, and he said, you need to go to hell, you fucking whore. That um, was a pretty good comeback. He kind of burned you. <laughs> I know. I was like, damn it, dude, burn. <laughs> Um, but it was probably, I don't know, the 50th time he called me a fucking whore. And then, um, so that was in the morning. And then in the afternoon, he came back and he called me sweetie and asked me to give him a joint. And I was like, are you? Well, clearly you are insane. Yeah. But, insane. yeah. Seriously, dude? You called me a whore this morning. I'm yeah. not giving you a joint. As our coworker said, he, has, he must have the line on, like, the worst drugs ever. <laughs> or the best. 
I'm going to go with worse. Because if they turn you into that, <laughs> yeah. then that's not... Oh, he, he also pulled off his shirt and showed me his naked chest. So I'm, I'm ruined for all men from now on. Sorry. He'll just never measure up to the crazy crackhead who called me a whore. Yes. Isn't and, that how it always is? Yes. And then my... So that was my favorite in-person crazy today. My favorite on-the-phone crazy today was the guy who's facing... Um, exhibiting exhibiting a deadly weapon charges because uh, he was showing his neighbor how he would defend his woman from intruders uh, by wielding his Lord of the Rings replica sword. Now, I realized after you told me about this that I did not ask a very important question. Which Lord of the Rings sword was it? I did not ask. That's not on our new client intake sheet. That is too bad. I would hope that it was like the, the horse people's sword. The, oh, maybe, uh, yeah. I can't remember the names of any of the actual swords, like if they were, but the, the Rohirrim makes sword, up the one that, that, uh, the Yggdrasakoda. Right. Um, <laughs> not the, not, uh, the, though I guess it probably, it was the, uh, the sword that was, uh, the sword of Gondor, the one that was forged by the elves and then it was oh, remade yes. by, uh, by, um, normally I know all the characters' names very well, but right now I'm forgetting them. Because an earthquake woke you up at 5.30. Yeah, and because I was awake for 24 hours almost yes. before that. Providing valuable support to Occupy SF and Occupy Oakland. Yeah, so that's the other thing that's kind of happened that's been sort of yeah. crazy is uh, Oakland PD. <sighs> Turns out they're kind of assholes. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think anyone's surprised by no. that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I guess it turns out they're still assholes. Yeah. They, uh, they, on uh, Tuesday, Tuesday morning, um, yeah, or very early in the morning, I believe it was 4.30 or 5, uh, the Oakland PD showed up at the encampment of Occupy Oakland, and yeah. they uh, forcibly removed protesters from where they were camping on a, on a public square. Um, people were pretty pissed off. Uh, they seized a lot of people's possessions and things like sleeping bags and tents and gear and all that kind of stuff. And um, so after working hours, people came back and protested and were angry and, uh, and were kind of out in force. And um, so the Oakland P- Police Department did the only thing they could, they tear gassed the hell out of yeah. people. They well, also to be used... fair, we don't know that it was the Oakland PD because there were 16 different law enforcement agencies right. involved that right. night, which does not sound like a total clusterfuck at all. No. That sounds like a really great way to keep a crowd under control. A really proportionate response totally. to a crowd that was doing things like yelling slogans yeah. and saying mean things to the yes. officers. And, tooting little horns and, yeah. and making noise. Right. And I think the most I think the most violent thing that's been alleged they against may the have protesters had puppets too. Is well I think so, there was some there have been some reports that protesters were throwing paint. Okay. So clearly a deadly threat that needed to be responded yeah. to, you know, yeah. with tear gas and flash bombs. Yeah. So um, so people were really pissed and they arrested over a hundred people. And uh, it was really bad. And uh, so things, tensions have been high in the Bay Area around the and Occupy. And of course, the, the biggest news story of that night is um, 
that a two-time veteran of Iraq, right. uh, a Marine who's done two tours of duty in Iraq, uh, he's only 24 years old and he's already a veteran twice, yeah. uh, was hit in the face with some kind of police projectile. Uh, they're unsure what hit him, but it, he appeared to have a curved scar, which, indicate, which would indicate a tear gas canister or some yeah. sort of canister. Um, and there's very clear video on YouTube that shows it's really chilling because you sort of see his body drop to the ground and he's completely right. lifeless and it's it's chilling to see that because it's not like it's a movie it's like you know this person's real, real and yeah. they're really hurt and um, other protesters are running away and then they see him on the ground they see that he's hurt they go to run to help him to see if he's okay to see if he's conscious to try and pull him away and um, you know, this is about five feet from a huge embankment of cops. One of the cops sees this and uh, pulls out, pulls something and is seen tossing something into the crowd, which then explodes and makes a loud pop and a loud flash and scares everybody off. So they're saying it was a flashbang grenade. So this cop saw someone injured, saw people running to help the injured person and then threw a grenade into the crowd surrounding the already injured person to disperse the crowd and, you know, possibly injure the person further or injure, right. you know, some of the bystanders, some of the Samaritans who are helping out this guy. Right. Um, so yeah, this is how we treat veterans in our country. The right. people who the one percent to use the um, to use parlance the, the of, our... parlance of, of the, the times. Um, the people who the one percent send send off to foreign countries to fight their wars for them, so that their children don't have to go, so they don't have to go themselves. Right. Um, to fight these pointless wars that are built upon lies and 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 you know brutality and racism, bullshit and imperialism and imperialism. Yes. You know, someone that went and did that for you twice under the guise of patriotism, you can't even pay the lip service of patriotism and not shoot him in the fucking face when yeah. he protests for his democratic rights. Yeah. That's that's how we treat our veterans in this country. And right now he's at Highland Hospital in Oakland, um, which I know from personal experiences where they send uninsured people. So I don't know if he has insurance. I don't know how his healthcare is being paid for. I would hope that since he's a veteran, he's got some sort of insurance or because he he does, as I understand it, have a job uh, with some sort of um, computer company in the Bay Area. So I would hope he has some sort of health insurance through that because for a two-time veteran to come back to our country, be severely and critically injured by um, the police force that's supposed to serve and protect him and then to have the insult of hospital bills added to that right. very literal injury that's right. just like really is the American dream right <laughs> yeah I mean it's one of the craziest things I think about these these Occupy protests are that um, all that the protesters have to do is show up you know yeah. all that they have to do is show up and be peaceful and everybody else keeps making their point for them I mean, yeah. what happened to uh, Scott Olson, the Marine, is, is just, I mean, it's just a perfect illustration of what yeah. these people are protesting. It's, you know, this just complete breakdown of a society that is able to care for its members and, you know, lawfully police them and just, it, it can't, 
our society is just broken in every way. There's nothing yeah. about it that is working right now. At and least not for, you know, the 99%. Right. <laughs> well, and I mean, even... It's not going to work for very much longer for anybody else. I mean, the way the trend, the way yeah. that the trend is going, that one percent is going to keep getting eaten away. The bottom yeah. half of the one percent is going to keep falling off and yeah. falling off and falling off. We should we shouldn't be saying the ninety nine percent because I did, you know, I, I someone showed me this picture like a week ago and it was so powerful and it made such a good point and I should make a reference, make a point to refer to the 98% because 1% of our population, 1%, an entire 1% of the entire American population is in prison or jail. Right. So, you know, let's remember that other 1%. It's not the richest people, but the people who are perhaps the most disenfranchised of Americans and those are, are the people who are in custody. Right. And I, I mean, 1% sounds like very little, but when you consider how many people 1% of an entire nation's populace is, especially a nation as big as America, it's unconscionable to yeah. have one, it, you know, it really speaks to something wrong with the society right. that 1% of its population is incarcerated rather than that population itself. Right. Yeah, it's, um, I, I've seen that too. I'm, I'm of two minds. I've, I feel like I, I definitely agree with the sentiment. Um, yeah. I would say just for the sake of providing a simple sure. message, <laughs> 99% is still cool. I imagine that most of the people in the 99 would, would say that they stand for that 1% in Oh, prison. definitely, yeah. Uh, I guess we can't get too specific because you know, yeah. the whole idea is about solidarity. I mean, right. the, the 1% that's in prison is still, you know, most of them are still part of the 99%, right. except for maybe that, you know, one or two guys that managed to not get sprung and are doing time for, you know, like embezzlement or whatever. Right. I guess <laughs> Bernie Maddow is, is yeah. in the 1% still, yeah. maybe. Um, and that guy, oh, what was his name? Gupta or something. The guy, the Goldman Sachs exec. Oh, right. But he just bailed himself out with, like, you know, $50 million. Right. So he's fine. Well, yeah, of course. So speaking of solidarity, um, I've been volunteering with the uh, National Lawyers Guild and the, the group that sprung up Occupy Legal, and I take it that you are going to come and do I, yes, legal I'm very training. Next tomorrow. week, when I do not have dog custodian duties, um, <laughs> I'm going to have a lot more free time. And and also, I should say, when I don't have dog custodian duties or costume making duties, right, right, yeah, because um, those, those are really crucial to this are. weekend. <laughs> I I understand. <laughs> yeah, um, next weekend when I have fewer responsibilities. I fully intend to get more involved and tomorrow we're going to go to a legal observer training together and I'm very excited. I'm excited too. I'm, I have to say I've been really, I, I put in, I think I worked the phones for about 10 hours yesterday at the hotline. Wow. Um, and uh, I have to say that working with that group has really given me a major like awesome feeling yeah. because it's it's such an amazing group of volunteers. It's a lot of people who have been volunteering and working with the National Lawyers Guild for quite a while. Um, and uh, and there are definitely attorneys, but a lot of them are you know support staff um, yeah. or people who have been activists for a long time and, and just found that this was a way for them to support the movements when they became unarrestable or right. whatever. Um, and uh, yesterday when we were manning the phones, we got the, like, probably one of the most impressive shows of solidarity that I've ever seen in my life, which is we got a call from Occupy Wall Street, 
He said that they were going to give us $20,000 to set up a bail fund for people who had been uh, jailed in, uh, in the protest. Um, and uh, like, yeah, it was pretty, it's pretty, pretty awesome. And uh, it's pretty cool to have people calling up and not, and it sounds really cheesy, but to have people calling up and saying, you know, like, I want to show my solidarity with yeah. you guys from yeah. across the country. Like, we want to be there yeah. for you. And uh, no, I definitely, I, I totally know what that's like. It's not cheesy at all, because I remember, you know, when I worked at No on Eight to try and save gay marriage in California, you know, we had people we had people calling from out of the country. Like right. I got emails from people in Germany, in Australia, in Asia, in Canada. You know, people wanted to send their support and they wanted to give us money. And yeah. by election law, we couldn't right. take money from people outside of the United States. Right. But like just the show of support for a concept, even though it, it would have pretty much, you know, no practical bearing on those people, they knew that it was an important show of solidarity, right. and that, you know, in the long run, in some kind of hippie woo-woo butterfly, you know, to hurricane kind of way, it would affect them in the long run. I mean, right. whether you believe in karma or whether you believe in those sort of things like having repercussions and setting a precedent, you know. Right. So yeah, it's it's not cheesy at all. I think yeah. it's really it's totally empowering to know that you've got support even though it's not sitting right next to you to right. know that there's some random ass person in kansas city who wanted to give a hundred bucks so that they could bail somebody out of jail that's right. fucking rad yeah you know? it is it's really like you know and i and i was saying to you earlier today it's people have been saying you know oh it's just a bunch of bums and hippies and like what are they ever going to do they're disorganized they don't you know they're not going to get any shit done and uh, I don't know, I mean, I think that that sends a pretty clear message that not only, and I mean, not only did they just decide, it wasn't like there were five people in the movement, at, yeah. like at Occupy Wall Street, who were like, well, we're in charge, so we're going to do this. Right. They got a consensus out of 2,000 people. 2,000 people reached a consensus. Nice. Which is like, you know, so not only is it amazing solidarity, it's like fucking... It's anarchism like, in action. Yeah, well, and like amazing kind of like democracy like where people yeah. are it's it's mind-blowing and it's really well, I, inspiring yeah i mean i want to I, I definitely i want to throw out the a word and call it anarchism because yeah. so many people think that anarchism is about chaos and right even people who are you know more sympathetic to like politically progressive or politically you know uh, liberal or you know what's the word i'm looking for like you know really really far left leaning kind of stuff like they they tend to not have a full understanding of what anarchy is about yeah and anarchy you know it's not about punk rock or the sex pistols it's about people having autonomy and it's what right. democracy should be but right. it's not what democracy really looks like in our country and you know anarchism is about anarchism is about taking de-investing the power this what's the word not disinvesting, but uh, anyway, <laughs> it's it's about um, disinvesting the power from the people who have it in disproportionate amounts. It's about right. returning power to people in a consensus form. Right. It's about recognizing everybody is having an equal voice and right. an equal vote. 
and and the equal power to to live their own lives and realize a self-actualized you know life and career and blah 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 so it's in a way it's a form of democracy but i think in a way it's more democratic than democracy yes <laughs> that's true i think i think people think of anarchy and they think of it as being like nihilism yeah you know like everyone for themselves right. and, you know there's no government so I think sometimes people, yeah, they think of it as like a weird kind of like libertarian nihilism, right? Which it so isn't, and that's, uh, and that's, I think that that's, you know, it's got a real PR problem. Like a lot of very worthwhile ideals or, yeah. um, or whatever, you know, veganism has a that's PR a problem, yeah. anarchism, feminism has a PR, problem. PR problem. feminism has a PR problem. Um, Anti-Semitism has a good, has a bad PR problem. No, I'm just kidding. That, yeah. <laughs> No, Good it, idea should, now, yeah. it should have a PR problem. It should have a PR problem, definitely. Um, so the other thing that I've noticed working at the at the office, and you know, like only in the very short time that I've been there, is um, something that I really like and I'm trying to adopt, but I'm trying to adopt it gradually because I don't want everyone to think I'm a big fakey faker. <laughs> but everybody there, and it seems I I don't know if this is something in um, in like progressive or like really radical movements that is a thing or um, and I've just never noticed it or what but um, people at I've noticed like everybody at the um, at the legal center they never say oh the people that got arrested or oh the you know the people that um, that were leading the march or whatever they say the folks they say the folks that got arrested the folks that were leading the march and I really, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I've been thinking about it because I'm like, why do they say that? Like, why yeah. do they say folks instead of people? And I'm like, it's not like people is a just dehumanizing right. term. It's not like it's a bad, I'm like, you know, maybe it's just because you, maybe it's just, you know, people is, is kind of just a general term and folks is kind of like, say folks and you don't think of, you know, you say the two folks that got arrested. Yeah. And you don't think of, you know, faceless right. humans. You think of like folks, yeah. people you know, or like yeah. people that you can people identify with. Neighbors with. and family. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think that that might be what it is, and I I really really like it, and I'm trying to incorporate it That's into nice. my speech without being like a weird yeah. like. I'm gonna totally change how I talk yeah. because I heard this cool thing, and I'm a weirdo. The saying is "streets ahead." Yeah. <laughs> It's so clutch right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's I, interesting. I mean, not not to get too etym- etymological with it. Am I saying that correctly? I think so. But um, I think there's, you know, there's sort of a, a tradition of saying that in. in um, I mean, I don't really speak German, but I know in in German you say Volk, like right. instead of Volk, and, it, and it's. It sort of implied that it means like of the common people, like right. like Volkswagen. Even though it was designed by Hitler for the Aryan people, <laughs> was because of its name. You know, Volkswagen. It was meant to be a a, a vehicle for the people, uh, and you know, and, and in a very like kind of proletarian, egalitarian, except for the Jews and Gypsies and homos kind of way. But so, um, <laughs> leaving Hitler's misuse of the word aside. Yeah. Um, I think there's uh, maybe not so much in English, but still subconsciously. I think there's probably you know there's sort of that that attribute of 
folksiness, <laughs> yeah, that, that I, attribute of, it, you know, you said it, that people isn't dehumanizing, but in a way, folks is kind of more humanizing. Yeah, that's kind of, I guess that's yeah. kind of what I mean to say. It's, yeah, like it's people, not like people is a bad yeah. term, it's just a very neutral, yes. very detached It's a very kind formal of term. term. Yeah. A formal and, term, yeah. And so, and I guess folks is, you know, it's, I guess it implies like kind of a kinship or a familiarity exactly. or something like that, and I, I really like that, and I, you know, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, and it's been it's been really, really inspiring. Like I just I've I've been kind of out of touch with a lot of my activist roots, especially yeah. since I moved to the Bay Area. Because I've you know I mean since I was illegal for a long time, I was yeah I didn't feel like I could participate without putting myself in a really unacceptable risk. Right. Um, and now I'm you know I'm still I'm not gunning to go out and get arrested or anything like that, but I definitely. <laughs> have a lot more freedom now that I'm a legal resident right. of, the, of the United States. And um, I, uh, it's, it's been a really good way to reconnect, I think, with some of the things that I used to feel really passionately about and have kind of not reconnected with in the Bay Area yeah. since I moved here. And uh, I just, you know, it's important. And I hope that, hope that I can keep working with these folks. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, for a long time. I think it's, I think it's good to remind people or to, to let people know that there's a way that they can support the movements without necessarily going down and camping out if that's right. not what they want. Because, or you know, if there's not, you know, again, if you're in Kansas City and there's no Occupy Kansas City, I mean, maybe there is, but I don't know. And there very well might be. I got a call. There could be, yeah. I got a call from a 71 year old woman in Poughkeepsie, New York. Oh my whose God. Daughter, his middle-aged daughter. Um, been arrested and she was calling to check up on her status and she was fine. I mean, she's, oh, good, good. Apparently she's, you know, she's been an activist for a long time. She's been in, you know, she's had these kind of like yeah. <laughs> roundup arrests before. Uh, but she was just calling because that's one of the things that the hotline does right. um, is keeps track of people in prison and will give out information about them. Um, and uh, so this woman called and, and she called and, and asked if, I, if we had any information, I checked the list and I said, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, all that I can really tell you is what you already know. She's still in. She's, she hasn't been processed into a ward or like a unit yet, so that's good. They're probably going to release her, but they just probably haven't finished. Right. Um, and the, the woman on the phone seemed really kind of, she seemed angry, and I, I couldn't tell at first. I was like, are you angry at your daughter? Yeah. Like, because she seemed sort of like, oh, she's done this before, and I'm yeah. like... It was really kind of unclear, and then, um, and then she said, Jean Kwan is the most, Jean Kwan being the mayor of Oakland, Jean right. Kwan is the most hated politician in all of America right now, wow. and I was like, yeah, I don't think she's doing the greatest job right now, and, and she's, and this lady's like, she's like, they're, they're the, they've started an Occupy movement here in Poughkeepsie, and like, Aww. it's radicalized me, and I'm 71 years old. Awesome. <laughs> and I was like, all right, that is Aww. amazing. And so she was just kind of like, well, just keep doing the good work that you're doing, and you know, I'll call back later. But yeah, there's, I mean, like, I was kind of wrestling with this a lot yesterday, because like you, I also have activist roots, and you know, I remember you know, a, a, being a, a wide-eyed 17-year-old in Philly for, on my own for the first time and discovering, like, the thrill of going to, like, anti-police brutality riots. Right. And, you know, like, and, um, but, you know, I, I felt, I had a lot of conflicting feelings about it yesterday because 
yesterday being the day after, you know, the Occupy Oakland became really violent thanks to the police. And part of me wanted to go down and show solidarity, but part of me was, you know, like I've just been so stressed out about this move and all right. the emotional stuff that's going on in my life that, right. like, to me, as, as selfish and as first world as this sounds, like, just being able to go home and have a normal, relaxing night at home after work is kind of a privilege for me right now, right. after the past month or so that I've had. Right. Um, and plus, I just, you know... I was afraid that there would be tear gas again and, yeah. and arrests again. I just wasn't up for that. Right. Um, right. I was tear gassed once uh, during the WTO protest when I lived in Hong Kong, and I don't feel a burning need to repeat to get the experience. That done again. Yeah, like I've done it. I can tick it off my list. Yeah, I'm good. Well, so I would... when you know when when the the possibility of being a legal observer or possibly working the hotline came up, like I feel like that's. A really great way for me to put my skill set to use. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm fairly useless in a protest anyway. Like, you know, I don't like shouting, and I'm not particularly outgoing or charismatic. I have, you know, mild to at times severe social anxiety disorder. So crowds aren't the best place for me to be. But you know, standing apart as a legal observer could totally work in with my personality, and yeah. you know, get really good office skills and that sort of thing. Yeah. So. I can still lend myself to the movement and be helpful because, you know, movement is about a lot more than just the people who are on the front lines getting their pictures taken by Associated Press. You know, there's still, there's people working hotlines and people working legal relief and getting folks out of jail and, you know, people, you know, doing this and that and the other thing. People bringing, oh God, I forget who it was, but somebody on the PPK was talking about how they happen to have a fresh batch of soy milk, that homemade soy milk, uh-huh. and they happen to have like five cans of cocoa at home. Uh-huh. I think it was, it was somebody in Denver because it started snowing in Denver last okay. night. And they spontaneously made a shit ton of hot cocoa and brought it down to the Occupy protesters. And yeah. it's like, they didn't have to go and spend the night in, their, in a tent in the snow, which uh-huh. was amazing and so yeah. brave of those people. And yeah. my hat goes off to them, but it's like, you can be helpful without, you know, without being a martyr. Right. So, and, you know, like I actually, I'm, I'm seriously considering maybe going to uh, spend a night at one of the places uh-huh. this weekend, depending on if I'm, if I'm needed in the office working the hotline right. or observing, then I will do that because that's more useful. But at this point, I'm kind of feeling like this is such an amazing thing that's happening, and I want to go and at least spend one night there, like yeah. so that I can experience it. But. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, it's a there. There really are there are roles for everybody, and I've I've been needing to like bake some cookies and bring them yeah. down or something like that too. It's just yeah, even something as simple as that could be huge. It can be, and I mean it's you know again it's a show of solidarity. Like I'm sorry, I have to go to my job, and yeah. I have you know stuff that I have to get done, and it doesn't really yeah. let me stay out here as much as you guys. But like yeah, I'm. <laughs> I am on your side, and I am here for you, and like, yeah, I'm, like, I'm totally there. It says, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that this is all happening. I'm not happy that the, that the world has gotten to a place where it needs to happen, but, um, Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm really, really happy that people have finally decided to stand up and I think huge changes are going to come out of this. I I really hope so. It's too huge for nothing to happen. 
and it's just growing. Too big. That's yeah. the thing. Like, I mean, I realized today that the Occupy San Francisco has been out there for more than a month. Has it really? I believe it was September 17th. Occupy Wall Street's been out there for more than a month, for sure. I think, because San Francisco started, it was really small. It was only like, I think 12 people or something yeah. at first. But I think the, I think the, the date that I saw was September 17th was when huh. they started. Well, that's great. Yeah. And I mean, it's obviously gotten a lot bigger in the past, yeah. like, two to three weeks or whatever. Yeah. But it's it's amazing. And I, I, I think I want to start going to the General Assemblies as well when uh-huh. I can, because I... I think that that's just, you know, how often do you get to go to a, like, a revolution? Yeah, and, <laughs> and how often do you get to participate in a, in a, like, in an assembly where your goal is, you know, finding a consensus and, like, yeah. doing what's best for people yeah. instead of, like, oh, well, let's try and, like, eke out a majority so that we can sort of maybe get a couple of things done and then yeah. just mostly make the people that have all the money happy. Yeah. You know. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, almost every meeting that I've ever been to has been something like that. Yeah. At least in some respect. And, you know, not necessarily through the fault of whatever organization it yeah. was. Um, but, you know, we're a capitalist society. We have to operate within that. So it means yeah. that we, we often really just have to uh, work within those bounds. But I'm thinking... I think it'll be really nice to go to a meeting where that is not the way things are. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm so. looking forward to all the things that are coming up too. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I mean, I don't like I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm really excited to help support it. It's going to be awesome. I think so. And to our listeners, yes. You know, in your cities, um, I mean, these the Occupy protests are growing. Yeah, and uh, so I think chances are getting better and better that wherever you live, there's something in your area. Yeah. So, I mean, go on down there. I think most of them are doing the General Assembly kind of thing, which means Uh that pretty much every day they're probably having some kind of meeting um, where they're talking about what what they want to do and how they want to do things. And uh, I think, you know, if they're doing things right, then, then you can come down and take part. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, if you don't want to camp out on the streets um, or yell and wave signs, um, you know, the National Lawyers Guild, I think, is really in support of, of the movements and they have uh, chapters in many cities. So you can check out, see if they have, uh, you know, programs like we have in the Bay Area that are doing legal observing and running hotlines and things like that. Um, they're, you know, or bake cookies for people, or, yeah. you know, write to your city hall, or your mayor, or say, we say that you support them, and that you yeah. want them to be able to stay, and, uh, you know, there are lots of things that you can do, um, so do it, it's really, it's really great, I, yes, I am totally sleep deprived, and like, <laughs> whatever right now, and I feel amazing, and so, I'm really happy, and I don't think it's just the sleep deprivation that's speaking, no, Good things are happening. Yes. So it's go true. out there, be a part of them. It'll make you feel awesome. Um, I want to squeeze in like a five minute shit talking session. Yeah. Uh, which is going to be hard because this shit talking session on an entire country. Uh oh. France. France. France is on my fucking shit list. <laughs> Again. France. What are you doing? First, they tried to criminalize being a Muslim woman. Right. Uh, now they are making it... We're going to tell you what's degrading yes. to women. Yes, exactly. I, I just did it's, like the... Yes. 
Z sign in the air, you know, where Snap. Yeah. That. Um, <laughs> so, um, French school and or nutrition officials have um, instituted a new system for school meals that effectively makes it um, next to impossible to be a vegetarian in the French school system and flat out impossible to be vegan. Um, it says that um, in each 20 meal cycle there's a quota for a certain amount of protein that has to be supplied by chicken, that has to be supplied by beef, and that like I think it's like five meals of chicken, five meals of beef, and then you know at least five meals containing cheese, yogurt, or offal. Yeah, um, that's yeah. horrifying. Yeah, and so the protein, there, so each meal has to have a protein and a dairy, uh, separate and independent of each other, um, and so. If, if your child, if you or your child does not want your child eating non-vegetarian or non-vegan food in France, you're basically, they have to bring their own lunch. So it's a classist system as well. Right. Awesome. Um, so yeah, you're shit out of luck if you want to be a compassionate French school child. What is the ration? I mean, okay, I, I know that French cuisine is based on animal products. Right. I know that that's kind of, you know, a part of the... French cultural heritage in some ways, but like, what possible rationale could there be for doing that other than we want to forward this like totally bullshit agenda? Right. It's probably the same reason as as you know why we do it in America. They probably have farmers to subsidize. They want to support their domestic industries. Right. And, I mean, it's know. just it's so blatant. That's that's the thing. Like, yeah. You know, the only possible reason that I could think of for having, like, those numbers is that yeah. you are just trying to build quotas. Totally. That's, that's it. Like, I can't think of any, like, I just, I, my, my knowledge of nutrition is fairly rudimentary. Yeah. But I do know that red meat is not something that people are recommending you eat five times a week. No, five times out of every 20 meals. Oh, okay. Still. Yeah. People are not recommending that no. much red meat. People are, like, basically, people are saying if you want to be healthy, like, optimum healthy, yeah, we recommend zero yeah. red meat. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously that's not something that's been adopted by all that many people, but, I mean, it's, like, red meat is now one of those indulgences, like ice cream, where it's like... You know, yeah, sure, people are going to eat it, but they know that it's not good for them. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like mandating, like, Snickers bars. Like, <laughs> five out of every 20 meals, you have to have a Snickers bar. Right, right. Jesus uh, Christ. Fucking France. Fucking France, indeed. What the hell, France? There's a cute bulldog on that bus ad. Oh, so there is. It says, find your partner. I have my partner. I have Molly. That you do. <laughs> Um, on that note, fuck France. Fuck France. The, the Wall Street protesters. Yes. And um, find a cute dog. Yeah. That's that's what it's all about. That's Here right. on the Cosmopolitan Hour. Yes. And send us mail and stuff. Yes. And if any of our listeners are taking part in the protest, yeah. then, uh, you know, we salute you. And uh, solidarity, and we're, we're behind you. So, there you go.